I remember it being a long flight, one of those 10 plus hour kind of flights. I'm looking to pass the time, and so I decided to watch a movie. This particular movie was a war drama inspired by the true events just days following 9-11. Anybody realize how wild it is that that's been 21 years ago today? So uh, the movie is about a, a U.S. Special Forces team that was chosen to be the, the first U.S. troops that were sent into Afghanistan. And there they must convince the Northern Alliance general to join forces with them to fight the common adversary, the Taliban and their Al-Qaeda allies. And so in the movie, the general of the Northern Alliance made a statement to the U.S. captain. It went like this. Your anger comes from your fear because you live in a place where it looks better, where life looks better than afterlife. I'm going to read that again. Your anger comes from your fear because you live in a place where life looks better than afterlife. That's not this place. Here, Taliban kills everything you live for. Your mission will fail because you fear death. They welcome it because they believe there is riches waiting for them in heaven. When I heard those words on that tiny little screen on that airplane that day, it stunned me. And the reason it stunned me is because my immediate thought was, man, I... I think that's the issue for so much of the American church. When you think and therefore act like the current world is better than the world to come, then you will fear losing what you have here. But if you know that the world to come is better then what do you have to lose while pursuing the mission to which you have been called? So a couple of questions I want to deal with today. How can you know? How can you know that what will be is better than what is? And what if it's possible? What if? What if it's possible for you to live a great mission without fear? That is how we're going to wrap up this series that we've been in. This is week six. Today's the wrap-up in what we call Pace Setter. Pace Setter. So I welcome you today. Truly grateful that you would choose to be together with us. If you are seated at any of our campuses today, we want to welcome you. If you're joining us um, on, online, uh, just grateful for the time that we could spend together. I quickly want to send a thank you to all of you for your response from my plea last week regarding the Project Nick Run for Shelter because you guys responded fantastic. 
I, we, we have, I think, almost like 100 uh, people who, who over this last little bit have, have signed up ready to run, and you can still sign up, all right? You can still sign up. This Run for Shelter supports our shelters around the world that take care of some 250 orphans of five different countries, six different shelters. It provides food and clothing and shelter and this message that the king of the universe loves them. So thank you for your response, and uh, we're looking forward to getting together this next Saturday. So guys are looking good today. Those of you that I can see with physical eyes, there's a little more red in, in the crowd. That's good stuff. Football's back. Football is back. I can see it in your eyes. I can. I can hear it in your voice. Football is back. So I, I hope that you have a great afternoon. I hope it's that way by the time that uh, this evening's done. Philippians chapter 3 is where we're at. And so I want to pick up with the verse that we left off with last week. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. And then we're just going to look at verse 21 today. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, you're going to like this next part, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Paul says, want to remind you, this is not your home. Your home is heaven. And there is a Savior that we are waiting for from there. He is currently preparing a place for us. That's what, that's what Scripture tells us. One day he's going to return. And what Paul gives us today is that in this return, he is going to change the form of our bodies. From lowly bodies to glorious bodies. Now, come on. We want to know what that means, right? We want to know what that means. And I'm telling you, you ought to want to know what it means because it does mean something for us on that day. But it also means something for us on this day. Now, in this series, in the section of Scripture that we've been reading in chapter 3, Paul gave us a warning that, look, this whole idea of pace setter. He says, I'm willing to be your pace setter. You can follow me as I'm, I'm pushing forward to know Jesus. But you want to be careful because you don't want to follow everybody in this world. Because not everybody's running to know Jesus better. Some actually live as enemies of the cross. That's what he calls them. And one piece of evidence for identifying some who are enemies of the cross is connected to the body. All right? Remember verse 19. Verse 19, this is how it read. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. What was Paul saying? He's saying what they worship, what they consider most valuable is their own desires. It's the desires of the body. They choose to please their body more than they please God. So from that, we might conclude, man, 
that's not a good thing. I bet the Apostle Paul is what we call a, a, a stoic. I bet he hates the body. I, I bet Paul would say, we want this, this body just to be done away with. But of all the things that Paul could have mentioned that Jesus is going to do when he returns. And I mean, come on, I, imagine what cosmic actions might be on that list of what Jesus is going to do in all that he will do when he returns. What Paul chooses to talk about is the body, our bodies. So go back to verse 20 and 21 because he says he's going he's gonna to transform, he's going to change our lowly bodies. Is that what they feel like sometimes? Yeah. Bodies that are prone to hunger. So you know what it is to feel that, that a need. You, you, you're, you're hungry. Bodies that are susceptible to sickness. Bodies that feel weariness, soreness, brokenness. Not to mention lowly bodies in the sense that we, we have this bent, just like Paul has talked about in this chapter, to give into the, these, the bodily desires that we have, that we would choose to worship those above God. He says he's going to change those lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Whose glorious body? Jesus. He's talking about the Savior. He's talking about the one who's going to return. The one that when we read the stories in Scripture, once he arose from the dead, we've got a Jesus who can still eat fish. Man, that's good news for me. But he can also pass through walls. Hmm. That's worth exploring. Right? That's worth digging into. And so what I want to do for a few minutes is to show you some other text in the Bible that speaks to this. Because this is not just some little phrase that we find only here that, that Paul talks about. Now, here's what I almost decided to give you all the text that I could find about our bodies and new bodies. I, I almost decided to give you, it is a list, and I almost decided to just like roll through those so that by the end of that gigantic list, you would be like, stop, enough, Jeff, I get it. When Jesus returns, those who know him will receive new bodies like his. That's what I wanted you to say. But let's just be honest, we are all terrible at long lists, aren't we? These days, like we, we, we don't handle anything related to long lists. And so I just decided to give you the truth and then give you a few scriptures that are proof of this truth. When Jesus returns, those who know him will receive new bodies like his. Is that encouraging to anybody? Yeah. Yeah. Let me show you a few texts. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything's beneficial. So he's speaking about the freedom that we have in Christ. And he's like, you're free to do a lot of things, but they're not beneficial for you. I have the right to do anything, but 
I'm not going to be mastered by anything. So he's like, you, you don't want to be controlled by anything uh, other than, than Jesus being the one who controls you. You say, food for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. I want you to check out this line. And the Lord for the body. By his power, God Raise the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Now, let's talk about this for a second. There, there's, there's part of this that we read it and we go, okay, I expect, yes, I know that to be true. The, 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 the body, when it comes to the stomach, when it comes to food, we, we get it. This body, it is temporary. This body, it is wearing down. This body eventually decays. This body is eventually destroyed. We expect that statement to be there. And then when he brings up the point about sexual immorality, we, we would expect that to be said. I, I mean, God gave us the gift of sexual desire to be used within his design, right? Not to hurt us, but to bless us. So that is for him, not for us to place those desires above him. We would expect to read that. But the phrase I did not expect to read is the one that I've highlighted for you. And the Lord for the body. Like we get the body for him, but the Lord for the body. There is this statement throughout scripture that, that says, look, God, he created these bodies. The miracle that they are, when you think of all the parts that work together, you can, you can just take any little part of your body like sight, like your eye, and the miracles that are attached to how that works. This is God created these bodies. They are his design. Really, they are his possession, therefore. And although we are called to steward these bodies, he still cares for these bodies and so much so that he is very clear ultimately that means by his power he will raise us up with transformed bodies like Jesus glorious body when Jesus returns those who know him will receive new bodies like his God is for the body but for now, we experience the effects of lowly bodies. Let's look at that for a minute. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 says in verse 23, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we who have the Spirit of God who live in us, right? We have, we have put our trust in Jesus and he, by his Spirit, has come to dwell within us. We who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship. But did you ever see this line? The redemption of our bodies it's like everywhere he says even as christians we who have the spirit of god who live but 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 we groan we groan and, and the reason we groan for what will be is because now there there is struggle now there is things like sickness 
And whatever the sickness, healing is certainly possible. Why is healing possible? Because we are talking about a God who can do all things. And sometimes he does. Sometimes he heals. But in this world and in this body, the ordinary course is groaning. Here and now, in this body, the ordinary road involves suffering. And it eventually involves death. That's how the normal road looks. You're like, Jeff, are you trying to encourage us? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Because look at what we groan for, what we groan for, right? Uh, knowing Jesus, we are adopted as his kids. We get to know him like as, as family and the redemption of these bodies. Let me show you another one that's very similar. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 says, Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away. Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Again, he's saying, look, outwardly, there is this process of weariness that we feel, these bodies, as they, as they wear down. It is normal. It is, it is not something that we can escape no matter how much you believe in a health or wealth gospel. Now, when I say a health or wealth gospel, what I'm referring to is there is the good news of Jesus. That's the gospel. It is the good news that Jesus died for our sin, all sin. He died for our sin. He was buried. Third day, he arose. We who put our trust in him by grace through faith, he saves us. Good news. A death, a burial, a resurrection. But what people do is they will attach to that good news an additional piece that goes like this. Because Jesus died for your sin, rose from the dead. If you put your faith in him, if you trust him, if you follow him, then he will make you wealthy. If you trust in him and follow him, then he will make you healthy. It is true that God tells us we should ask in the sense of when we are sick, we should ask for the one who is healer, our God, to, we, we should ask. It's okay. But the pattern that goes all the way back to the Old Testament is the model of, Lord, I'm asking you because I believe that you can, but even if you don't, I will trust you. That's the pattern. See, what happens in the health and wealth gospel is it leaves you feeling guilty when God doesn't do what you have asked him to do. When you ask him to heal, and if he does not heal, then suddenly you should have believed more. Suddenly you should have prayed harder. You should have sang louder. You should have worshiped better. It becomes this, this guilt 
health-ridden message. It's why you don't see a lot of health and wealth preachers do their work in places like nursing homes. It's because the ordinary course of this life, not saying that there aren't moments that God doesn't heal. He does. But the ordinary course of this life involves groaning. It involves some suffering. It involves death. Long live the queen until eventually she doesn't. Apparently, what a remarkable story. Like, that's going to be fun to to get more of that. I mean, uh, I'm going to call her a young lady. She took leadership at 25 years old, did it for 75 years in, in what appears to be this quiet, strong, humble model. Imagine that. Imagine people leading quietly with strength and humility, right? That appears to be the story. But even her, as remarkable of a run as that is, the day came because that's the normal course. Even for Lazarus, right, that we talked a little bit about last week, Lazarus died, we know in the Scripture, four days later, Jesus steps to his tomb and calls him out. Lazarus is alive again, but, y'all, he died again. Because he was simply raised with a lowly body still. Now, I don't think the Apostle Paul is making light of the physical struggles that we face. I don't think he is. I don't think he's playing down the struggles that can come, and especially as we we get older. I think he's just reminding us of how short-term these are. Even when they feel long-term, he's saying these are short-term in comparison to the eternal glory that awaits those who belong to Jesus. Here is the truth I want to give you. The promise of new bodies turns our despair into hope. The promise of new bodies turns our despair into hope. So I brought my hope hat today. Every once in a while I wear my hope hat around. This is, this is my 88.5 hope hat, all right? Not that I'm plugging or anything, but, all right? It's my hope hat. And I love the fact that they did this. Because if you just walk around with the word hope on your, on your head, it's amazing how many people will give you a second look because hope is not usually the word, is it? And what we're learning today, the promise of new bodies ought to make us into a people when we follow Jesus. It makes us into a people that it turns despair into hope. So when you're fighting cancer, there's hope. When, when one of the parts of your physical body is not working the way it should and the, and the word is, hey, surgery is needed, there's hope. When, when, it, when it requires that the lenses of your glasses get a little bit thicker, there's hope. When you suddenly become interested in those promotions that keep showing up in your mailbox for hearing aids, right, there's hope. When it's the pain of arthritis, There's hope. For those of us who know who God 
is. We know that he is a God who is for us, including being for our bodies. Therefore, we don't give up. The promise of a new body turns our despair into hope. Whatever the struggles, if you know Jesus, then even while these bodies are wearing down, Paul has reminded us our soul is getting stronger and stronger in this relationship with Jesus. And what we have learned in chapter 3 is that even when I'm going through pain, I'm getting to know Jesus better. Even in my struggle, I'm, I'm getting to know him better. As we rely on his presence with us now, and as we rely on his promises to come, promises like, one day, I get a new body. The promise of new bodies turns our despair into hope. We will be fitted with new bodies that are fitted for our new home. How exactly will that transformation go down? Scripture says, quickly, happens in a flash. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. That's why Paul's saying, press on. That's why he's saying, strain forward. Because we win. It's like we've already seen the end. We've seen the picture at the end of the story, and we win. Death will be swallowed up in victory, victory through our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We got hope. I love being a dad, and I love being a papa. I wear those two banners with pride. And this week, we got the news, it's a boy. It's a boy. So my oldest daughter, Whitney, um, who actually sang here a little earlier, um, she's having a boy, which is super cool, ridiculously excited. We found that out just two days ago. The ninth, that would make the ninth on Friday, September the ninth. You want to know what was happening a year ago, though, on September the ninth? That same daughter was having a medical procedure that day because she had lost a baby. How wild is that? How God is that? Talk about extreme low, extreme high. My journey as a pawpaw looks like that. We have Grandchild born, grandchild lost. Grandchild born, grandchild lost. Looks kind of like a roller coaster, doesn't it? 
know what I'm grateful for? In that roller coaster, she nor any of our family walked away from God in those losses. And what I have found to be true is that in part, God rides roller coasters too. And so I want you to know that in the moments that were incredibly low, he was there. But I also want you to know that in these moments that are incredibly high, he is there. He rides roller coasters too, which I am so grateful for, man. He is, when it is low and when it is high, he is with us. But what I have also discovered is that while we are on this roller coaster and while he is with us on that roller coaster, he also takes a different path. It is a path that is steady. It is a path that is rock solid. It is a path that is faithful. I want to declare to you on both September 9ths, all right, on September 9ths of this year, and on September 9th of last year, he was with us. On September 9th of this year and on September 9th of last year, he was loving us. On September 9th of this year and on September 9th of last year, he was caring for us. Everybody thinks they have faith when things are going great. But when things aren't going great, then you find out and in both of those times of loss, what we found was hope. I currently have a grandchild on the way. And I have two here. And I have two in heaven. And the hope this papa holds is that one day we all, we all will worship before the king who turns despair into hope. How confident can we be? We need one more piece of information. Go back to Philippians chapter 3. And there's another part of verse 21 that we got to see before we finish. Our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who's going to transform us. But how does he do it? By the power that enables him to bring everything under his control. How do we know that Jesus will transform our bodies on that day? It's because no power is greater than his. None. I absolutely love, 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 love what Jesus says in Luke chapter 21. It's one of those places where you hear Jesus talk and you're like, that's right, that's right. What? Here's what he says in Luke 21 verse 16. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers, and sisters, relatives, and friends and they will put some of you to death. Okay, this is a good talk, Jesus, right? He's having a talk with those disciples. He's like, they're gonna, people are going to betray you. Everybody, they're going to hate you because of me. That's what he says. But watch this. But not a hair of your head 
will perish. Stand firm and you will win life. Wait, what? Now, we get it. Christians have always been persecuted. Since the day Jesus said all that, we have seen that happen. The enemy is real, but... Jesus, how on earth can you say both of those things? How can you say you're going to be put to death and then say that, that no hair is going to perish? And the, the answer is the context of what we are studying today. He can say it because no power is greater than he. No power is greater than his. And so the truth is, no disease, no persecution, no imprisonment, that's what Paul's going through, no amount of torture is going to stop the change that he will bring about for us one day a glorious body like his glorious body. So even if they take our lives, these temporary bodies in this life, they cannot stop a God who one day will make all things new. Nothing outpowers him. Ephesians says it this way, this power, it is incomparably great power. Nothing compares to his power. For us who believe, a power, the same power, that, that is mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. That's the power we're talking about here. If he can raise Christ from the dead, he's saying he can give you a new body. And seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is involved, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. We who follow Jesus will not miss out on this promise, a glorious body. Because angels can't stop it, no authorities can stop it, no powers can stop it. They all are in submission to him. Now what Paul's doing in all this, I, I am convinced, I am convinced that Paul has been painting a picture for us for several chapters now. All within the most extraordinary framework that we studied back in chapter 2. I think it's linked. Back in chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, we read these words. They are the words that if people are familiar with anything in Philippians, it tends to be this. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who? Being in very nature God. He's God. Did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Watch this. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in, that'd be a body, human likeness, and being found in a body. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death. On a cross, though God, Jesus, takes on a body, a body that knew hunger, a body that knew what it is to have sore muscles from walking a long distance, a body that needed to sleep, but also a body that was slapped a body that was spit upon, 
a body that was whipped, and a body that was pierced with thorns and nails and a spear. A body that was wounded, a body that suffered, a body that died. And then God exalted him. And I think there is a picture that Paul is, remember, who's, who's our ultimate pace setter? It's not Paul. It is Jesus. It is Jesus who is the pace setter. Paul's like, follow me while I follow Jesus, right? I'll help you run to know him better, but let's don't be mistaken here. Jesus is the pace setter. He is the one who sets the pace. He is the one who shows us the model. And I think Paul, he's been building for two chapters now, and it's this picture of now you, after, after you have known the physical struggles of this lowly body, after you have endured faithfully any persecution that comes from, from you sharing the good news of Jesus in this world, after you have loved your enemies, after you have prayed for those who persecute you, after you have looked to the interest of others above yourselves, then God exalts in the sense that he gives you this glorious body fitted forever and ever at home with him just like our pace setter who is Jesus, we press on for the mission. Say, what is that mission? A long time ago, Jesus made it clear. It sets like this. Jesus came to them and said, all authority, (laughs) all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. It's your mission. And I'm giving you this mission, this mission as one who has all authority. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let me give you one more statement to wrap this up. The authority of Jesus, which guarantees our new bodies, empowers us to live his mission now without fear. Come on, it gives us hope for what will be. We're able from despair to hope we continue in these struggles, but what we also know is it means the one who has all authority. Angels can't stop it. Powers and principalities can't stop it. Nobody else has power to stop it. All of those are in submission to him. The one who has all authority, who guarantees our new bodies on that day, he empowers us to live the mission now without fear. So the command is go teach them. Go show them what it means to follow Jesus. Teach them how to live with faith regardless of what the financial markets do. Because not having enough is not my fear. The reason it's not my fear is because of a God who supplies my needs. He promised he supplies my needs until my mission here is done, and then he has prepared a place for me in heaven. Not having enough is not my fear. Teach them how to live with hope even when the doctor says there's nothing we can do. 
But dying is not my fear. Because I know the God who cares for the body. And sometimes that means he heals now, even when the doctor can't do anything. But it also means that the guarantee is that one day in the longer haul, I get a new body that is fitted for my home forever and ever. Dying is not my fear. Teach them how to love. Teach them how to love those who reject you when you share the good news of Jesus. You, you, you share it with, with family. You, you share it with those that you care. But when rejection comes, rejection and loneliness is not my fear. Because I'm connected to the God who loves me. I'm connected to the God who is with me now. And his promise is that I get to be with him forever and ever. The authority of Jesus, which guarantees our new bodies, empowers us to live his mission now with fear. I do not have to be afraid in sickness. I do not have to be afraid in persecution. In fact... In a miraculous way, my God actually turns those into gifts at times in reminding me of what is to come. So here's where I want to wrap it up with us today. There are some of you who hear my voice today and you hurt. You hurt physically. All kinds of levels of that. But regardless, if you got a body and you have very many birthdays, the hurting and the struggling is a part of what we often experience. And today I want us to take those hurts to the God who cares for the body. But also, there are many of you that hear my voice today, that you deal with the hurt of having declared a good news, maybe to a family, your family, and now it feels like they've just shut you out. You have tried to share good news with a friend or maybe someone that you work with, and now it's as though they avoid or even call you foolish. I, I want us to take what we've got today, a truth about a hope, truth about a promise and I want us to go to our God who can do something about that in strengthening our inner being today but y'all here's what I want to encourage you with because here's the part I think sometimes we miss actually I, we miss it there are times that we come in here and we get truth like we got today and I hope today is encouraging for you. And, but it's like, okay, we, we get the truth and we jot some things down even maybe and then we go. And maybe before we would be done, you would, you would ask God, hey, help me here. 
But I think what we often underestimate is how we're supposed to do that with one another. And so I'm just going to keep throwing this out, and I'm going to keep challenging, and I'm going to keep begging um, that not only would you turn to the God today who cares for the body, whether it's the pain of physical sickness or whether it's the, the hurt from rejection because of the gospel, but that you wouldn't just carry that alone, but that you would fight together. And so I, I'm going to be available in this room at the campuses. Uh, there are leaders available, campus pastors and leaders who are available at every one of uh, those sites today that, that if you need, right, that you could go to, you can come to us and just go, hey, here's how I hurt. Will you pray for me? Here's where I'm trying to stay, stay strong and sharing the gospel. Will you pray for me? That's cool. I, I would be honored to. I'll, I'll be right over here. I know at every campus the same is true. But y'all, it is also true that this room is filled and many of those rooms are filled with people that you know well enough that honestly you could just turn to someone and go, I'm hurting right now. Could you pray for me? You don't have to give them all the details. You don't have to just, I'm hurting right now. Here's what's going on. Will you pray, will you pray for me? I, I think there's something to when we lay down our pride and we step through our fear there is a God who desires to do something remarkable with his people. So I just want to extend that invitation to you today, and I'm going to extend it again and again, and I'm just going to kind of keep going. I'm going to keep bulldogging it. I'm going to keep offering, and I'm going to keep going. Look, this, this is the design. So I'll pray for us, and then I just want to invite you. You have the time that there is a freedom here that you can just simply, somebody you trust, um, hey, Here's what, here's what I'm going through. Will you just pray for me? Here, look, it doesn't always have to be your biggest, baddest um, mistake. It doesn't always have to be your, your greatest struggle that you've ever faced in your... It doesn't always have to be like the most gigantic thing in your life. What would happen if we just on a regular basis dealt with the small things? Like dealing with the small things and the little things that hurt and the little struggles that we go through. What if, what if we would just start there together? I want to encourage you. Let's start there together. I'll pray for you. We'll give us a little time to pray. And then we're going to sing a song that sends us out reminded of the hope. All right? Let's pray. God, I thank you for words of hope. I thank you for a truth that is anchored in your authority. You declare there is no power greater than yours. And therefore, when you declare, God, this is what is going to be, we know that this is what is going to be. And God, we are so grateful for the day that is coming. A day that is coming when we get to see you face to face and in that you will transform these lowly bodies to be like your glorious body. God, I thank you for what that means across this audience today, people who hurt physically. God, those who are going through struggles because also of the gospel, of sharing the gospel and experiencing the pushback. And God, I thank you for what that means regarding all hurt. 
God, I, I ask today that you would bring us together as your people, that you'd give us courage today to take a little step closer, that for the next few moments we will do battle for each other. We will love each other just like we get to do forever and ever. I thank you for what you're going to do, God. In the name of Jesus, I pray.